for our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods for the next half of football. We can't be afraid to lose. There's no room for fear in this game. This is the New Hampshire High School Football Show. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? <laughs> I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. The New Hampshire High School Football Show is brought to you by the New Hampshire State Liquor Commission's Division of Enforcement. You got heart, charisma, and a lot of skin. Here are your hosts, Pete Terrier and Dave Haley from NHSportsPage.com. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Good morning and welcome to a special championship Saturday edition of the New Hampshire High School Football Show. We're doing it live at the brand spanking new and beautiful Wildcat Stadium on the campus of the University of New Hampshire in Durham. My name is Pete Terrier. Alongside Justin McIsaac, no Dave Haley today on the show because he's an idiot and he ripped his pants trying to jump a fence in the stadium and leaves the show two minutes before we're going on the air. You're laughing, but how else can I say it? I'm doing it with you, Justin. I appreciate you stepping in. <laughs> this, this is quite an intro, Pete Terrier. Let me tell you what. But, uh, listen, let's focus on the positive. Uh, apparently the scoreboard is since Stevens has already defeated Interlakes 38 to 8, which uh, the game hasn't started yet, but the UNH people apparently are picking Stevens just like I am. So some bulletin board material for Interlakes before we even get going here in Wildcat Stadium. Did you snap a picture of that and tweet that I'm out? Going to. I think you've got to get on that right now. But yeah, what a great setup we've got here. We got Tim Glenday back at our ESPN New Hampshire studios in Nashua, and we're about to embark. At least I am, and you as well. For the MOSN Network, uh, 12 hours of programming here, New Hampshire yes. high school football style. And what a beautiful day we've got. Temperatures around 60 degrees today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't order up a better day for uh, Championship Saturday. I'm not sure it wasn't last year, but maybe the year before it was freezing out there. I mean, late November in New Hampshire, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, the weather could literally be anything. It could be anything from 80 to 20. Uh, with snow or like it is today, not a cloud in the sky. So, but this is uh, exactly what you want for. You don't want weather to decide a championship game. No. You don't want that to play a factor. You want the two teams on a neutral field uh, to be able to decide uh, the champion, and that's what's going to happen today. So, I couldn't couldn't ask for a better day. So, we got three state championships. The first game is the Division Three championship. It's going to be kicking off at eleven o'clock today. It is uh, the Stevens Cardinals against the Interlakes Moultonboro Lakers. Then at 2.30, Division II title on the line, the Plymouth Bobcats and the Bo Falcons. And then it all wraps up 6 o'clock tonight, the Division I championship. The Bedford Bulldogs going for an unbeaten season. Will they be dancing with me yep. and doing the undefeated chant in the NHSportsPage.com video highlights after the game? Or will it be Exeter? making their second straight trip here to UNH, playing for a title once again under their longtime head coach, Bill Ball. The Exeter-Bedford game, that one starts at 6. It should be a fun day of football. Yeah, your only chance to do the Coach Carter dance is in the D1 game, Pete. That's uh, the, the sole survive. I thought you were going to be able to do it three times, but no, not so fast. That's, that's uh, right. That's why they get out there and play the games. But uh, 
No, the first two games on tap today, I, I not in a million years would I have predicted those would be the matchups. I, I, I think that since week three, I've been calling D3 the Mananoc Invitational. And, oh, geez, Stevens just lost a point in the scoreboard. They're now it's 37 to 8. 37 to 8. Oh, but, now it's back to 38 Okay, to eight. well, they, got, yeah, it's, uh, they reviewed the extra point, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, th- you know, I thought it was the Mananoc Invitational. I made no bones about saying that. And uh, it looks like they weren't invited to their own Invitational. Go figure. And on that same <laughs> note, I thought it was the Wyndham inauguration. Sure, yeah. You know, not Donald Trump. Uh, I thought it was Wyndham that was going to be inaugurated as – one of the best teams in, in all of New Hampshire high school rather, football, regardless of the division. I'd rather have Victor Pizzotti with his hands on the nuclear Colts, frankly. <laughs> but they get knocked <laughs> off by Plymouth 20-18. to 18. Speaking of Plymouth, we're going to talk to Coach Chris Sanborn as they're making their way here to UNH from uh, the land of Lenahan. We'll talk with him in just a couple of minutes. Later on in the show, Bill Ball from Exeter, the team with the shortest drive to get here, mm-hmm. the Exeter Blue Hawks. He'll uh, join us right after 10 o'clock. And then uh, 10.30, uh, Paul Cohen from Bo will be joining us on the phone. We might be able to get Paul Silva. I'm not sure. Dave was going to help me do that, but he's getting a new pair of pants. So we won't, uh, we won't probably be talking to Paul Silva, but there is a possibility we can get Derek Stank from Bedford on the line sometime over the course of the program. But let's talk about it. Uh, let's start with the... Division three game, uh, Interlakes Moultonboro making their second trip back here. They lose, they got blown out last year against Newport, forty-eight yeah. to fourteen. How much of an advantage is it for them to have already kind of tasted what it's like to play here at UNH? Well, I would say a pretty big advantage, but uh, it, it's almost a whole. I mean, it is. It's a whole new facility here. I mean, when I this is the first time I've been inside the facility uh, since last year, and uh, you walk in, you know the. Uh, the first thing that catches your eye is the jumbotron, yeah. And the you know in the end zone, you're gonna walk out there. And uh, I mean, any sportspage.com doesn't do the baseball championships at uh, Northeast Delta Dental. I usually end up doing a few of those for yeah. uh, whatever radio station hasn't laid me off at that point. <laughs> but uh, but no, when those kids walk in there and they see all those seats and they see like uh, you know they don't have a jumbotron there, they have a little screen. But you know they put their picture up there when they're at the play, and the, you know especially like the D four D three. Do they get walk up music when they? They do go not to get walk up music. No, no, no. But they, uh, but they, you know, they get their picture up there and they get all wide eyed and they're like, "Oh my God, it's real now!" You know what I mean? Once the game gets going on, like it's gonna take some of the kids like getting hit a couple times mm-hmm. to be like, "Okay, now we're just playing football." But I mean, that could. I, I do think Interlakes has somewhat of an advantage. If you take a look at last year, Newport kind of came in and there was a very good Newport team, and they kind of, you know, they they took care of business against Interlakes. Well, the year before, Newport had to kind of. Get their dip their toes in the water at UNH and and suffer the defeat to Campbell mm-hmm. and kind of you know and then they emerge. It's almost like it's gone that way in D three the last few years. You know you uh, sort of like the NBA used to be how the uh, the Pistons couldn't get past the Celtics, but when they did, they won the title. You know, mm-hmm. and the Bulls couldn't get past the Pistons, and when they did, they won the title. Like if you're the runner up in D three, I think you got to feel good the next year going in as long as you don't graduate a hundred kids. Uh, if you make it to the championship game. Well, looking forward to that one. That one tips off a little bit less than uh, two hours tips off. Look, from now. Listen to you, you have basketball um, in your mind. Uh, because we're in a nice, warm, <laughs> beautiful press box. We're actually, I'm basically lined up perfectly with the 25-yard line. Justin's around the 30. We're going to yeah. have uh, John Kesty with the NHSportsPage.com video camera. He's outside. He's got the pick day as far as being outside yeah. jennifer chick roof is going to be here filming i think the d1 game but it's going to be a little bit chilly once the sun goes down around 4 30 that game kicks off at six o'clock 
it'll probably be, you know, in the 40s. I think it's going to be quite still chilly not, after the game. It still won't be bad for November, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think you and I were both at uh, a few years back, St. Thomas at Kennett, which oh, I think man. is the coldest I've ever been in my life. We were yeah. both on top of that press box. It was Twenty degrees and the wind chill was just—I had snow pants on and I still couldn't get warm after the game. So uh, it could be worse. All right, let's go to the phones right now. We'll bring on uh, the head coach of the Plymouth Bobcats, Coach Chris Sanborn, joins us on the line. Coach Sanborn, first of all, congratulations on getting to the ship. And I just want to know, first of all, where are you now in terms of your uh, itinerary? Are you guys? Getting on the bus soon, what's the plan for the Bobcats as you make your way here to Durham? Well, uh, you know, we're feeding the boys breakfast right now. Um, got a guy came in. He's cooking uh, breakfast for all the boys here at the school in our kitchen and uh, in the uh, culinary area. And uh, then we're going to get on the bus at 1030. Hope to be there at noon. Usually we like to get there two hours in advance. I thought for today we might want to get there just a little bit early. Uh, just get everything acclimated. I know there's going to be a lot of different stuff. So let's talk about your journey to get here, uh, especially in the playoffs. You guys had a pretty tough matchup, although it was at home in Plymouth at Zulius Field where you had the defending state champs, the St. Thomas Saints, a team that has been to the last two state championship games. And I would say even though you had home field advantage, a lot of people looked at you as the underdogs in that game. You get by that game, you vanquish the defending champs, and then you got to go play the team that has also been in two straight D2 championship games, the odds on favorite to win the whole thing. And what do you know? You go down there and you knock off the mighty Wyndham Jags. It must feel really, really gratifying for you to have been able to, you know, beat those two teams and be here today. Well, you know, it's pretty special. We had to go through a pretty tough route. Uh, you know, we had to go through the last two uh, defending champs, uh, the teams that were in the, in the championship last year. So that was pretty special. We knew how that work cut out for us. And uh, we knew St. Thomas was really rolling, kind of a team nobody wanted to play. They got all their players back. Um, we had a bunch of guys out that weren't coming back, so we knew it was going to be a tough one. And that boys just really came to play. You know, they, they were fired up, played an excellent, excellent that day. One of the sophomores, Owen Brickley, had a really special day, two touchdowns interception. Of course, he broke his collarbone on the, on, on the second touchdown. So we didn't have him last week, so we had to dial up some other stuff. And I tell you what, the boys really responded. We were really, uh, really proud of them. You know, it's a special run, but uh, we got one more game today to win, so. Hey, Coach, it's uh, Justin McIsaac. Um, just wanted to ask you, you took Bo, uh, you took on Bo uh, at Bo back in September, which seems like forever ago, September does, um, and, and you, you beat them 28-12 to on their home field. It seems like Bo's offense has evolved since then. They're, they run a lot of different formations. They give you a lot of different looks. Um, what sort of lessons do you take from that first game, or do you kind of just start with a clean slate preparing for this one? Well, the lesson we kind of take from that game is we got uh... – you know, four of our guys that started in that game, three of them both ways, are out today. You know, so it's a different bow team and a different Plymouth team. They're playing really well. We go back and look at that film, and, then, you know, a couple breaks went our way. We had a Hail Mary pass at halftime there with no time to clock. They fumbled going into the end zone that game. And, uh, you know, we, we punched one at the end there to try to secure the victory because only one a one-score game. And uh, so, you know, we were look at that and say, that could have been a 21-7 win them. So we know what we've got to cut out for us. We know it's going to be a, a dogfight today. Bo's a very good team. They've really, uh, you know, taken their offense to another level, and it's, and it's going to be a tough matchup for us. 
We got breaking news right now as like a really nice looking coach bus has just pulled into the parking lot. Any predictions on who that is, Justin? I think that's Chuck Lenahan's bus all to himself. <laughs> it's just him. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it very well could be, you know, either Interlake. It's a premier coach. Could be either Interlake's Moltenboro or uh, – or the, the kids from uh, Claremont who had to come the farthest to get here today. But, Coach, let's get back to you taking over for a legend. We talked about this when we had you on the show earlier this year. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy being the man who replaces the man, but you've done that. Your team unable to make the playoffs the first couple of years, this being your third year, you got them in a championship game. That has to take a world of pressure off of you because – you got to have those those longtime Plymouth supporters feeling okay. You know, we did make the right move with uh, Naaman Sanborn, the head coach. Well, I don't think you can let those things kind of affect what you're doing. You got you got to go to what you believe in. You know, last two years those those kids were great kids, and I wish we could have gotten the playoffs. A few things didn't go our way because I think they could have done some damage. Um, we we're a little better than that, I thought. And uh, you know, we really worked hard this year. We told the kids, look, guys, it's we got to get in the playoffs. We want to be in the playoffs. And we want to host a game. And, you know, we were fortunate to let that happen when uh, Lebanon did beat Bo there in the last week of the regular season. So, you know, we were playing pretty well, and then all of a sudden we stumbled down to John Stock there. Our defense did not come to play that day, and, uh, you know, it's kind of set us back. But, you know, since then we've been playing pretty well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not really about me. It's, it's about the kids. This is the 2016 Plymouth Bobcats, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of these kids have been working their tails off for a long time, and it's good to see these kids get this opportunity. Uh, Coach, uh, you know, you guys started off hot this season. You started off at uh, 6-0 and and then stumbled a little bit in October. You t- as you just mentioned, you took a loss uh, to John Stark in a shootout. And then uh, the, the game that surprised everybody, I think, you, um, Lebanon was able to, to sneak past you there 7-6 to uh, in uh, Plymouth. Going into the final week, I think you had to have an advanced uh, degree in trigonometry to figure out exactly what the Division II playoff scenarios were. But it, I, for sure you had to win going into the playoffs uh, not, not only for to get in, but just for your, you know, to turn the ship around. What did you tell your kids before that Milford game to really kind of set you on this uh, three-game streak you've been on since then? Well, I tell you what, we we did have an individual with an advanced degree in trigonometry uh, right up the program <laughs> for us. So I'm going to be honest with you, we knew where everyone was going to stand. All we did is the games happened, we punched in a, a one. We just had in the program punch in a one if they win, leave it a zero if they don't. And uh, I think that program might have been better than the NHIAA, so it's pretty special. But uh, <laughs> You know, we, we looked at that back at that John Stark game, and, and our offense played really well that day, and our defense didn't. Really the only time all year. And then since then, our defense against Lebanon, we gave up only seven points. Now it was a monsoon, and our offense didn't play well that day, and it was tough conditions, no excuse. And then, uh, you know, Lebanon's a very good team. The next week we went down to Milford. You know, our offense didn't play great, but our defense only gave up 12 points. Then we go in the next week to St. Thomas. Our defense only gives up six points. You know, against a great St. Thomas team. And then last week, our defense, uh, you know, they only gave up 18 points to win them. That's their lowest total all year. So I really give a lot of credit to, to our defensive players and, and Tom Lamb, our defensive coordinator, and Mike Boyle and John Sullivan and Mike Bounds, all those guys over there coaching defense, really doing a great job, busting their tail. And, you know, our defense really played uh, pretty well the last four weeks or so. Coach, when you were talking to your kids about coming here to UNH and playing in this beautiful brand-new stadium did you pull a, a Gene Hackman, uh, Coach Norman Dale from Hoosers, and, you know, when you get out here, you're going to take a tape measure and you're going to go, it's 100 yards across the field. Uh, you're going to do something like that? I mean, have you had to kind of 
talk to the kids about don't be overwhelmed when you walk into this place? Well, you know, we definitely did. We, we talked about that a little bit, but I, I kind of made a mistake because I said to the kids yesterday, I said, look, guys, uh, you know, the field at UNH, it's uh, 20 yards longer, right? And they believed me. So that was probably the worst thing I ever did because uh, these guys started to believe me. And I just looked at them and I said, I'll tell you what, boy, it's the same size. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to try to trick you or anything else. I don't think that was the right move with these boys. They're, uh, sometimes they take stuff a little too serious. So, uh, you know, we just told them, it was the same size, turf. We played on turf numerous times over the last two years. And, uh, you know, it's a big stadium, but you got to focus on what you're doing. You know, you, you, you got you can't you can't change things. You got to do what you do and do it well. We know we got a battle today, and with Bo, Bo's very good. They're well coached. Kids are very tough. You know, it's, it's tough because you're going down to a big stadium like that. But uh, you just got to try to you know got to try to create what you do all the time. You know, I mean, you just got to try to recreate the same things you do every week. I'm a very very superstitious person, so that's the worst thing in the world for me. But uh, <laughs> just who I am, you know, I got to accept it. Yeah, Coach, you've inspired me. I'm going to lobby to get New Hampshire a CFL team with that bigger field, <laughs> 20 yards longer. Uh, so let's, we're going to get on top of that. Um, I mean, uh, your team, you're the Plymouth Bobcats, uh, known for toughness, I think. Uh, I, when I talked to uh, Eric Kumba after uh, your victory over uh, St. Thomas, he's like, man, those, he, he couldn't say enough good things about just how tough your kids were and how well they executed. Uh, is there any one or two kids that are setting the tone this year for that, that, that toughness mentality that Plymouth is known for, or is it just a team-wide effort? Well, I think I think it's a team-wide effort, you know. And I think the big thing, though, I think we got a few kids that have really set that tone. Number one is uh, number sixty-one, Rowan Drew. He's a defensive end and tackle. Um, you know, he started last year. Another kid who started last year, defensive tackle, Tyler Morrison, and guard started both ways last year. Number fifty-four, and the third kid that's really, really uh, just been unbelievable is uh, number fifty-two, a defensive tackle, Cody Campbell. You know, he. I guess he probably doesn't look that tall, doesn't look that big, but I tell you what, that boy is uh, tough as nails. He's fast. He's explosive. He's scrappy. He doesn't mind getting in there and making a pile. And, you know, those those three boys right there up front really set the tone for us in that toughness. And uh, they played very well this year, and uh, we're going to need them today because I think uh, Bo was very, very good up front. Let's talk about Garrett Maycumber because a lot of people kind of – going to be here today and maybe seeing your team, maybe seeing Bo for the first time this year and seeing certain players. And I think Maycumber, certainly one of the best running backs in the entire state of New Hampshire, regardless of division. What can you tell people, describe how his game is? Because, you know, he is a absolute load. You called him a beast last week. I think that's a great definition of what Garrett Maycumber does uh, and can do on the football field. Well, I think he, he's, you know, he's he's just got so powerful. He's so explosive. He's got those thighs that just run through people. He's got a nice stiff arm. But the thing he's got is he's very slippery. He's got a nice sidestep, does some things. And he always makes that first guy miss. And then he runs over two or three players and carries them, you know, for another five, six yards. And that's what he's done all year for us. Great player. And, you know, he, he, I want to strangle him sometimes. He does some strange things every once in a while, you know. But, uh, you know, you go down to uh, – down to win them there and he blocks a field goal at the end and uh just you know great players make plays at the right time and, and he did that you know i mean when the, when the when you need him he steps up big that's that's the key you know you know he reminds me of i'm gonna throw back here pete you'll like this one he reminds me of uh the nigerian nightmare christian okoye just the way he's where you can slip past people and run them over and uh you couldn't pay me enough money to try and tackle him i was gonna give you <laughs> i was gonna give you a natron means that's that works maybe too, patriot yeah. fans we, we remember him because i think he played there at the business. end of his career but yeah he's 
he's such a, a load. And, Thinking of Marion Butts. And he's so, yeah, Marion Butts. There That's you go. That, he's the one that ended up, uh, the former Charger that That's ended right. up with yep. the Patriots at the end of his career. Coach, one last yeah, one for you. I like the Christian Coyier thing because he was a Tech Mobile nightmare when we were kids on this. That's right. Show, so. <laughs> you, you and Justin in your Tech Mobile. <laughs> we'll play on the big screen, Coach. We'll get together. <laughs> Where in the world is Dave Haley? He ripped his pants. <laughs> I swear to God. My boy, Dave Haley. I swear to God, he was trying to get in this place this morning. He jumped a fence, caught his pants on the fence, and he's got a huge rip in his backside. Okay, not in his actual backside. That would be tragic. No, he but didn't. Get, there was no blood, no scrape or anything. But it, the, the dude left the radio show on Championship hey, Saturday Pete, to go change his pants. I, I don't think he listen, had a choice. But you know what? <laughs> He, he had a choice. I thought he was tough, but he looked up to a hoop guy, you know. He could have used a little duct tape, taped up his pants, and got on with it. you gotta, you got to improvise and move on, for Christ's sake. You can't get me going home. Ronnie Lott cut a finger off to play in a playoff game, right, Coach? I know. Dave Hill's got a little rip in his pants. He's got to go home. I can't believe that, you know. But it's a pretty special day. You know, we're pretty excited. Sean Donahue, the defensive coordinator for Bedford, is a Plymouth kid. Um, you know, so that's pretty exciting. John Francis, the head coach of the yeah. Lakes, is, is a Plymouth guy. Played here. Um, you know all the Plymouth guys here coaching, and then Nick Cass, an assistant coach at Bo, is a Plymouth guy. So it's a you know it's a pretty special day for us seeing all those guys out there coaching around. I wish them all a lot. You know, a pretty special day for Stevens getting to the championship. That's a old school football town. You know, I'm sure they're pretty fired up, and uh, you know I think it's pretty special for a lot of teams. You know. Now, do you have a special haircut for today? Because at the end of that video last week, uh, the team was saying you got to oh get a mohawk. What's oh the boy. deal? Well. I, it, yeah, I did say that. I guess I said it when I wasn't <laughs> sure things were going to happen. But what I said to them was that if they won the championship, I'd get a mohawk. So oh, I wanted to cut okay. my hair last night, but I, I said they had a win. So uh, what I probably should have done, though, is I should have just changed that and let them cut it last night so I could have worn a hat today and no one would have known any different. But uh, knowing <laughs> these boys, if they win the championship, they'll probably want to cut it during school on Monday, which might be the worst thing in the world. But uh now, you know what? At least this is a short week, right? At least Thanksgiving week. You know, you, don't, <laughs> yeah. you only have to go hey. a few days. And if you win the championship, what does it matter? You might ask Dave if you can borrow his ripped pants. You'll go there with your mohawk and his ripped pants, and uh, it'll be a well, heck of a party in Plymouth. We'll cut it in the field Listen, for the NH Sports page cameras if you win. Yeah, I'll take a. I'll tell you what. I'll take a. Uh, I'll take a haircut for a championship. But uh, we got to win today, and Bo's a very good team. So. Uh, you know, we ain't we ain't planning any haircut yet. We got to uh, we got to focus on today. They got some very good players. The Alford kid is just an absolute beast, and uh, I'm sure you guys mm. have seen him. And uh, you know, they're mm -hmm. very well coached, very disciplined. So you know, we're excited about today, but we also know it's a championship game, and you got to leave everything you can on the field. All right, coach. Well, we know you guys will do that. Uh, best of luck. We'll see you out here uh, when you guys get here, and uh, we'll give the the people listening on the radio. Well, you guys won't be. We'll be done probably before you guys get here. You'll get here sometime. It is Interlakes Moltenboro that was on the the coach bus. They have arrived. But uh, thanks so much, coach uh, Chris Sanborn from Plymouth. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you in a little while. Hey, do do me a favor. Make sure you when you see Dave Haley, you tell him not to come down and talk to me. I'm, I'm actually disgusted with him. <laughs> I hope he's listening on the radio. My good buddy Dave Haley, and he's going home to get new pants. You got to bring a backup pair. You know, got to plan ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. Talk to you later. Chris Sanborn from Plymouth, uh, funny guy, and uh, might be getting a haircut if uh, the team wins the championship I gotta talk today. To, I got to talk to Mike Murphy about a way to hook up a Nintendo to uh, – I have a Nintendo emulator on my computer. Hook it up to the big screen so Coach and I can play uh, Tecmo Super Bowl on the Jumbotron.
Hey, our our, our videographer, uh, Jennifer Chick Ruth, would be happy to see that sign on the Jumbotron. Right. It's a picture of the Division Two champion Cole Brown team. Yeah, I don't know what sport it was. I think it was cross country. They're running through Cole Brown, uh, Cole Brown Oyster River, like cross country dynasties. But uh, yeah, it's 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 cool. They're running. They're taking pictures. They're showing pictures of all the uh, the fall champions here. And they're kind of rotating them on the uh, on the jumbotron, so everybody can take a look. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you got the uh, Exeter Bluehawks uh, boys soccer team now. The uh, Fall Mountain Wildcats uh, Division Three girls soccer champions. That's pretty cool. We're doing the show live today, the New Hampshire High School football show from the brand new and beautiful Wildcat Stadium here on the campus of the University of New Hampshire in Durham. Justin McIsaac filling in for Dave Haley this morning. Pete Terrier. We got Tim Glenday back at our ESPN New Hampshire studios. We got a cast of thousands here, of course. Uh, the ESPN New Hampshire radio team, uh, Laura Remillard and Adam Buskey are here and uh, getting ready to bring you one, not one, not, not two, two, but three state championship games on the radio, on the Internet. Justin McIsaac's also going to do it on the MOSN network as well. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit about some of these other matchups. Uh, we'll get into the Division One matchup, get Justin's take. He was uh, at Exeter last week, yes. saw them survive against Nashua North, so I want to talk about that and how he thinks they match up against the Bedford Bulldogs. It is the New Hampshire High School Football Show on ESPN New Hampshire and nhsportspage.com. ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. Back here on the New Hampshire High School Football Show, the championship Saturday edition of the program. Pete Terrier along with Justin McIsaac filling in for Dave Haley this morning as he has to make a little change of clothes, we'll say. I didn't think he had a real accident. He just ripped his pants, <laughs> jumping a fence. So the guy had to go home and get a new pair of pants. So uh, anyway, we're here up until 11 o'clock doing the show live from the new Wildcat Stadium at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, we're in the press box. It's a little bit different look this year compared to what we've been uh, dealing with here the last oh, yeah. couple of years. They've done a nice, nice job, and uh, we can't be uh, gracious uh, enough here. These guys have been great to us, and uh, we got a day full of football, three state championship games. Going to have the broadcast on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNH.com. Justin, of course, doing it uh, on his uh, McIsaac on Sports Network, so you can listen to it no matter where you are, over your phone, your computer, whatever it is. I even listen in my car through my phone. That's right. Yeah, just, just throw it on the Bluetooth. Yeah, put the aux cord, the Bluetooth, whatever you got. Yeah, so if you get sick of Pete or you get sick of me, you just switch to the other one. That's right. That's right. If it's slanted a certain way, right. you know, you can flip it over. I'm going to try and play it down the middle as best I can. I call but, it right uh, down the middle, Pete. Uh, let's talk about this Division One championship game. You were there at Bill Ball Stadium last week uh, in Exeter, and you saw Exeter uh, hold on and win in overtime mm-hmm. on a field goal by Jake Gould, uh, win at 23-20, to 20, but it's a game that National North very well could have won, and they could be here today. Yeah, uh, a couple of breaks go uh, a different way for the Titans, and uh, they, they'd be taking on Bedford. They uh, they had a couple, uh, they had a fumble late in regulation uh, at the 10-yard line, where it looked like they were getting in position, about three minutes left or so. Uh, they, they were in position to maybe kick a field goal if they wanted to go that way, maybe punch it in. They were running the ball pretty well, but they, uh, they, they coughed it up late. Um, they had a, a touchdown, or they had a touchdown and a couple of long runs called back by holding penalties. Uh, they couldn't convert uh, uh, in overtime. So, yeah, just uh, missed opportunities, really, 
for Nashua North was the story of that one. And 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 give credit to Exeter. They are just. Uh, I think I said this a few weeks ago. Uh, if you've seen the movie Top Gun, they are just like Iceman. They mm-hmm. just they just kind of wear you down, wait for you to make a mistake, and then once you do, because listen, high school football teams make mistakes. That's just the name of the game, and you know they're, they're, it's kids out there. You know, once you make that mistake, they do not let they they make you pay for it. They don't let those go by the boards. What would you say the difference is between this Exeter team that's in the championship game and last year's Exeter game that made it to the championship? Uh, they don't have to take on golf sound. I mean, if we're being very honest, that, that, that was a, that was a special golf sound team last year. So, uh, it was, uh, I, I don't think anybody would have had a chance against, uh, the Grizzlies. I think Exeter's got a better shot, certainly against Bedford. And I think deep down, uh, in places they don't like to talk about at parties, the Exeter coaching staff would tell you they would rather have seen Bedford in this game than Merrimack. They'd never admit that, but I, I, I think that, that that's the truth. Um, just matchup wise, Bedford, they match up a little bit better with Bedford than they would have with uh with Merrimack have you seen Bedford uh have you seen Bedford just on film just I haven't been able, I haven't been able to catch them live and it's of course it's a different story when you see a team live than when you see them on film but uh I mean I, I was very impressed uh, last week I watched almost the entire game against uh, Merrimack uh, their, their their comeback I mean they, they were dead to rights in the fourth quarter and just kind of a, uh, threw the game plan out the window and started chucking it around the yard and uh that ended up uh, being, you know, the difference. They were able to get to overtime, and they were able to to win. <laughs> it's uh, that that's that's a memorable game. I mean, that was a great pass game. interference on the last second on the last play of regulation, so you get one more untimed down, and you're able to get a touchdown out of it just to get to overtime. That was insanity. Did you happen to? Uh, so you watched the play at the end where the pass interference was thought, called. Your I, thought? I thought it was a good call. I think, so did I. I mean, the, the the kid was. I mean, it was bang bang. The kid was there before the ball, though. Uh, that's a tough call for the ref to make. You know, that spot. Your your inclination, if you're an official late in the game, because you know those guys are human, is to you know let the, you know let it go a little bit more than you would maybe early in the game. But that was the correct call. I thought. I thought they got it right and. Uh, Give credit to Bedford. They were able to get it, get the job done. So let's talk a little bit about another play that was kind of controversial. Daniil, it was early in the first quarter, made a catch uh, in the end zone. They immediately ruled him out of bounds. Yep. Now, uh, photo evidence has shown that looks like he yeah, might have been like, in bounds. Looked like he was in to me. I'll go, <laughs> I just gave the refs credit. I'm going to... I'm gonna kind of not not, uh, not not bury him here, but uh, it looked to me like it was pretty clear he was in bounds on that play, uh, and, and there was an official right there. Maybe he saw something we didn't. Maybe he saw you know a piece of him go out of bounds that we couldn't see from the camera angle. But it, it sure looked like he was in bounds on that catch. All right, now Merrimack, they're obviously not taking the loss too too well. Um, they think they were wronged on the pass interference. A lot of Merrimack people do. By the way, tough. They think they were wronged on that play that we were just talking about. Do they have a beef? I mean, do we need to get instant replay on every single play at the high school level? No. We talked about it during basketball season. It came into play. Yep. It, with Merrimack, by the way. <laughs> with, well, ironically yeah, but, enough in the but, final game. But they got that call right. Correct. Yes, they did. On the court. So that they didn't lose on a bad call by an official that they could have gotten right if they had if, instant replay. But if there was replay, they would have reviewed that play. No, sure, no, no doubt about it. And but, it would it would have been like the call in the field yeah. or the call, you know, is confirmed. We got it right, so right. good, and that's what we want. But do I they think, have a beef? Uh, 
You know, I, I I'll say no because those kind of plays. If it, if a play like that happens early in the game, uh, yes, all all the points count. All you know, all 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 plays you know in in a vacuum count equally. But you still have time to overcome something like that mm-hmm. in a game like that. If it happens at the end, and by the way, I think the officials got the call right at the end of the game. If it happens at the end, you have more of a beef. It stings more. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's the, your last impression of what happened. Listen, I don't blame the Merrimack kids for 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 having a sour taste. If Neither that, do I. If that happened to me, Lord knows I'd be I'd have a tattoo of it for the rest of my life. Sure. The first story I told to people, but uh, I think replay would work in a situation like we're in today, where they have the technology. It's already built in. Yeah. It's already here. You know, uh, you, you don't want to review every single play, make the game five hours long like college football games are. Now. They're almost that long I anyway. I can't watch an SEC game anymore because it's a it's an entire day investment. It's like watching a golf tournament. But if you were, you know, if you're at Wildcat Stadium, uh, let you know Massachusetts plays at Gillette Stadium. If you have the technology there, why not use it? If you're mm-hmm. playing, you know, if you're playing in UNH in the championship game, just for a championship game, you know, the uh, a Tuesday night in February. Uh, Exeter against uh, Spalding doesn't need replay. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But if you're at Lundholm, you got it there anyway, why not take advantage? Of no, it? I agree with that as well. All right, uh, let's uh, let's just look a little bit deeper into this one. The Bedford offense, a, a diverse offense. They can run the football. they got two good runners, Nick Leahy, Sean Tierney. Connor Robert can also run the yep. football out of the quarterback position. And they got a good passing game. And I think a passing game generally gives Exeter problems. Big receivers, Noah Shabarik and Liam Green. you got a real good slot receiver in Sharuk Hussein. As I said, Robert can hurt you both with the arm and the legs. Yep. How does that match up, that offense match up against that Exeter defense? Well, you've seen spread teams that have been able to move the ball on Exeter this year. Uh, I mean, first game of the year when Dover was still figuring out what they were doing. Dover was able to move the ball, even though they lost that game. Uh, Bishop Girton moved the ball on Exeter. Portsmouth beat Exeter. They're a spread team. I mean, most teams nowadays are spread teams. Uh, if I was Bedford, and the Lord knows Coach Stank knows more about football probably than I'll ever uh, forget about it, or has forgotten more than I'll ever know, however that goes. He's smarter than me is what I'm saying. Uh, if I was Coach Stank, I'd come out with a with a pass-heavy game plan because uh, it, to me, Exeter's players, they can hit. They can tackle. They can do a really good job. They don't cover as well as they tackle. They cover pretty good, not as good as they tackle. Mm-hmm. So if you run the ball at them, I think you're playing into Exeter's strengths on defense. So I would come out with maybe like a 60-40 pass-to-run ratio uh, if I was Bedford today. And as far as the Bedford defense against that Exeter offense, I mean, I guess the the guy that you really got a key on is Kyle Ball, obviously, well, the yeah, quarterback. And, and, well, Kyle Ball and, uh, I mean, Cam Flanagan. I mean, they, they, a number of kids can carry the ball. That's the that's – the, uh, the uh, that's the rub defending Exeter's. You don't know where the ball's going. I've done six of their games this year, I think six or seven. And when I'm calling the ball, I don't know where the ball is half the time because they they're so disciplined running those fakes. Kyle Ball always runs out. Uh, you know when he when he hands it off, he always runs out his fake, and you got to keep a guy on him because you don't know if he's got the ball or not. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, yeah, they are very content for eight minute drives, just punching you in the gut, punching you in the gut, and then they'll pop the big one. So and I think the book on Bedford is. They cover better than they tackle, I think. And, and, again, I haven't seen them live, so I don't know if that's true or not, but that, that's the book is they cover better than they tackle. So, I mean, it, it, I think we're in for an epic D1 game tonight. All right, we'll get back to that one a, a little bit later. We're going to have Bill Ball from Exeter on the phone uh, just after the top of the hour, 10 o'clock, little instant reaction uh, from you. Uh, I'm getting a couple of text messages uh, okay. about does Merrimack have a beef. Uh, this one, I won't say who it's from. Maybe he doesn't want me to share it. 
But it says five picks, 15 penalties, no beef. And I got another one from someone who I will say who it is. Dave Haley texts me, that was assume. I assume he means awesome when we were making fun of him about ripping his pants. (laughs) So hopefully he'll get a nice uh, fresh pair of pants and he'll come back here and uh, hopefully be able to join us at some point during the show. I think we're we're about to do a live test on the air. We are. Are Big history? Yes, we've got, (laughs) and Tim Glenday, we apologize if this goes horribly wrong, but we're testing our wireless uh, uh, equipment down. Laura Remillard, who's going to be our sideline reporter during the game, is on the sidelines with Adam Buskey and we're going to see if the thing actually works. Go ahead, Laura. I cannot hear her, so apparently this test is important. <laughs> Maybe we don't even have it. Uh, that's probably why. I hear her. We hear her just a little bit back here at headquarters. Something about country music in the background. All right, thank you very much, Laura. Uh, Tim, did that sound okay at the very end? Making his I, I think it, I got the. Uh, it's, this, it's, this is live radio, people. Yeah, it's it's very very low. Let's put okay. it that way. All right, well, we'll get her back up here and we'll see if we can adjust. So, that a little so you're bit. telling me, gentlemen, that for Championship Saturday, we've gone on to the married name. I was going to say, didn't Laura have a different last well, name last the, time I talked to her? That, that's the difference what between uh, me and Nick. Like. I actually remember that she got married like six months ago, and she requested to be called by her married name. Ah. Nick chooses to just blow right past Nick's that. Nick's got a lot I on see. his mind. That's right. So Laura Remillar will be checking in on the field uh, throughout the course of the afternoon. She'll be talking to coaches and uh, getting us some uh, reaction. Yeah, uh, the best part of that is at halftime, she grabs like whichever coach is in the lead you gotta, you gotta, and she's like praying that it's not Bill Ball I'm sure yeah. because he's probably not the guy you want to talk to in the heat of a championship game by the, I think uh, I talked to Coach Kuma because Eric Kuma and I are buds uh, and he's, by the way he'll be calling the uh, D2 game with me on uh, MOSN today because he's played against Plymouth but uh, he, last year he was jogging off the field and uh, I think she grabbed him they were up at halftime she's like what do you got to do with the second half coach he's like uh, not play like garbage and <laughs> I don't think you never met Laura he was like, what's going on here? What am I doing? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Laura does a great job. And uh, congratulations on the nuptials to Laura. Yeah, I think it was like July or something that she got married. My so. invitation must have got lost in the mail. Exactly. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk about the D3 championship game coming up. Uh, Interlakes Molenboro against a Stevens. Uh, we've had an Interlakes Molenboro sighting. No sighting yet of Stevens, although they do have the farthest uh, to come here of any school uh, that's here, playing here today. I think they might have gotten here before you did because uh, you rolled in at like 8.30. I think they got here way early. So, well, Stevens? I, I, I've seen two coach buses today. So Are they down at Libby's or something like that? It's possible. I don't little, think so. A little, little Libby's breakfast going on. All right, we'll take a time out. The New Hampshire High School football show. Justin McIsaac filling in admirably for Dave Haley, who says he's on the way back here, so we should be able to get him on the show. Going to make the hot tag to Dave when he gets here. All right, and I know you guys got stuff to do to get ready for your coverage as well on MOSN. I want to thank Tim Glenday back at our ESPN studios and Taylor and all the crew, Mike Murphy here at the University of New Hampshire for hooking us up. Should be fun. It's championship Saturday on the New Hampshire High School football. Show. It's on ESPN New Hampshire and nhsportspage.com. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights.
Well, it is a bittersweet symphony for several teams here playing uh, what will be their last game. Several players, I should say, playing what will be their last high school football game ever. Probably the final competitive football game of their career. And, you know, it always gets kind of emotional this time of year because you're going to go home at this point if you've made it this far either as a champion or a team that lost in the championship game and it's certainly going to be a memory that you're going to have for a lifetime yeah, there's only three teams that'll leave happy today and uh only three teams in the whole state that will end their season the way they want it so it's uh yeah uh you know it's uh, for, especially for those seniors uh, a lot of times this will be like you said the last organized competitive football game they'll ever play so uh, you got to make the most of it while you're out there. Leave it all on the field. Well, the Interlakes Mullenboro Lakers are on the field, literally. You can see them out there uh, warming up, stretching. you got Ryan Kelly with the football in his hand in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, some of his playmakers surrounding him. Andrew Brothers out there, Colin Sheehan, Thomas Robinson, the two big tight ends, Jaden Lara and Zach Swanson. Um, I know you've seen on video this team, and I know you've seen on video this team against the team they're going to play for the championship game today, Stevens and Interlakes Moultonboro. And what we saw when they played back on the 15th of October in Meredith was a 57-12 beatdown. I mean, I don't expect anything like that today, but is it better to be the team that got beat 57 to 12 and getting another shot, a shot at redemption or being the team that blew that other team out and, and you got to try and beat them again for a championship? Well, uh, I would say Paul Silva's got the better uh, speech he's able to give uh, before the game. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he, he'll be able to say, Hey, listen, you know, we're not going to let those guys do what they did to us last time. Blah, 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 blah. It, it, it's hard if you're on the uh, Interlakes coaching staff to say, well, guys, we just got to replicate a 57 to 12 win. I mean, that's, I mean, that's we, like you just said, that's probably not going to happen. I think Stevens played their worst game of the year. They fumbled the opening kickoff. If memory serves, uh, they, yeah. had, they had a boatload of turnovers, which is just not what you're used to seeing from a Stevens football team. So they, I, I'm sure they're going to have that cleaned up today. And uh, I, I, I think that'll be a one possession game, a one score game at the end. Now you, you know, were surprised like the rest of us when Stevens went into a Swansea and knocked off uh, the Huskies and ruined yeah. their bid for an unbeaten season. And they really did it in the second half by just dominating the second half after they trailed, I think, twenty to seven yeah, in the re- fourth quarter. Yeah, they really could have packed it in, especially on the road uh, against uh, a Monadnock team that's kind of built to take that lead and uh, and uh, get home with it. Uh, but no, they. Uh, they, they, they had a heroic comeback, and uh, like I said, I, I called it the Monadnock Invitational, and uh, Stevens invited themselves to the Monadnock Invitational. And listen, if you go to Steve, if you go to, to Monadnock and beat them in their house, when they were not just unbeaten, but what have they given up, like 35 points? They've given season? up 31 all 31 season. 31 points all season, yeah. and you're able to win there. Listen, there ain't nothing you can't do. So, I mean, they they, they, they got to come in here riding high, and I'm sure they will. And they certainly have some playmakers, as you can see the Cardinals now uh, making their way out of the locker room and onto the field here. Looks like uh, Richard Bell uh, leading the way with the football in his hand, number five, outstanding running back who scored, I think, three touchdowns in that victory. We're so high up, I can't even see that far away. Yeah, so (laughs) it's starting to take shape. We're about an hour away from kickoff. Both teams are on the field. We got another hour to go. We're going to talk with two coaches who are playing today. Bill Ball from Exeter will join us just after 10 o'clock, and then we'll get Paul Cohen from Bo. So. That's what's going down. Justin and Dave may be around for a couple of minutes at the beginning of the next hour. I know you got to go do your thing. 
Tim Glenday back at our ESPN New Hampshire studios. Three championship games play-by-play on the radio and on the internet. And another hour of the New Hampshire High School Football Show coming up. we got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods for the next half of football. But we can't be afraid to lose. There's no room for fear in this game. This is the New Hampshire High School Football Show. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? <laughs> I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. The New Hampshire High School Football Show is brought to you by the New Hampshire State Liquor Commission's Division of Enforcement. You got heart, charisma, and a lot of skin. Here are your hosts, Pete Terrier and Dave Haley from NHSportsPage.com. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Hour number two of the New Hampshire High School Football Show on this championship Saturday in the state of New Hampshire. We're doing it live on location. The brand new and beautiful Wildcat Stadium on the campus of the University of New Hampshire in Durham. I'm Pete Terrier, along with Justin McIsaac this morning, Dave Haley, making his way back uh, to the stadium, who's going to join us in a couple of minutes. But joining us on the phone right now is uh, one of the head coaches that's going to be playing. They'll be playing the feature game, if you will, the 6 o'clock kickoff Division One State Championship game, a coach whose team was here last year and didn't work out the way they would have liked, but they got another crack at it this year, the Exeter Bluehawks and Coach Bill Ball taking on the Bedford Bulldogs today. Coach Ball, uh, happy championship morning. Does this morning feel different than others, uh, you know, regular uh, mornings that you're getting ready or, you know, on a game day? Well, you know, it's always exciting to, to, to play in the final day, so it, it's different in that respect. But, uh, you know, we had a good good walkthrough prep yesterday. Um, kids went home excited, and uh, we hit, hit the school about 1 o'clock and, and get ready. Uh, Coach, this is Justin McIsaac. Uh, we, we've, uh, I, I think I've been at like six or seven of your games this year, so gotten a really good look at uh, what you guys have done this season. Is there something you uh, you take a look when you see Bedford on film uh, that you really feel like your defense is going to have to guard against, or is it just uh, just generally uh, playing their gaps, staying disciplined? What, what what sort of threats does Bedford pose? Yeah, you know they're um, I think they're a spread team, but they're physical, um, and that's not always the case. Um, you know they're extremely quick up front. Um, Lee is an outstanding runner from. A gap to D gap. B is he's, he he gets he can hit he can hit you at the midline. He can hit you on the edge. Um, he's a real good player. Tanny's a real good supplement power guy. Um, they they do a, a, a little bit of everything. They kind of you know they'll give you a lot of inside outside zone. They'll try to get you with the speed streak. Uh, Connor Roberts, polished quarterback, stands in the pocket strong. You have to be extremely cognizant of him touching the ball and keeping it in a passing situation. So there's a lot out there to be concerned with. We have to be sound. Um, we have to tackle well in space, as always, and uh, hopefully be opportunistic. 
Coach, we were talking earlier about how uh, we got Interlakes, Moulinboro, and Stevens on the field right now, uh, less than an hour away from kickoff. The Lakers were here last year. They got a chance to play in the stadium, although it looked a little bit different last year when they were here and when you guys were here. But how much of an advantage is that for a team that, like yours, was here last year and a lot of the same players uh, you know, have already you know, set foot on this turf here and, and played in the big college uh, atmosphere? You know, I, I'm not so sure that that's the advantage. I mean, we've been a, a, a perennial uh, playoff team. We've had a lot of experience in the postseason, um, as has Bedford in, in their you know short existence. They've done really well. So, um, that I, I really think every year is new. I don't kind of look back and on that too much. Uh, I look at us. You know, we get eight new guys on offense and and eight new guys on defense from a year ago. So. Uh, it's it, it's be a new experience. They've been there, but it, it really once the ball's kicked, it's, it doesn't matter much. Uh, Coach, you said uh, Bedford. Uh, you know they're a spread team, and you said they're 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 pretty physical. You got to play a lot of spread teams this year, uh, whether it was Dover and on opening night, uh, Portsmouth, Bishop Gurdon, uh, all the Nashua teams. You, you you faced a lot of spread offenses. Does does Bedford remind you any, of, of anybody you've played this season, or are they uh, unique? Um, you know we played ten out of twelve. 12 years to play 10 spread teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, they're a little bit, again, and uh, I think they're a little bit more, they'll run a little bit more trap, a little bit more counter tray. They like to run a trap with a win. So I think there's probably a little bit of wing T element in their, uh, in their spread uh, compared to most teams where most teams are, you know, you know, zone blocking RPOs, zone blocking RPOs. They get a little bit more traditional traditional run in there, um, but they do run a lot of run pass options. So uh, they are a little bit more traditional and, and, and power oriented, I think. Let's talk about your team, Coach, uh, led by your outstanding uh, quarterback, three-year starter, Kyle Ball, who was inserted uh, early or part of the way through that sophomore season. Now he's a senior. He's uh, obviously one of the leaders on your team, uh, both offensively and defensively. And then you got, you know, uh, a, a bevy of different running backs, uh, guys like Cam Flanagan and Lowry and, you know, Brad Cam. You guys uh, just seem to, you know, do the same thing year after year, and it works for you guys. Uh, so that's a credit to you and your and your coaching staff. But specifically to this team, uh, when did you start get the sense that uh, this could be a special group here that could be playing on the last day of the season? Well, you know, a lot of it was in the off season. Um, commitment to the weight room, summertime commitment to the weight weight room. Um, you know, seven on sevens, going to camp, getting better, um, all that stuff, and, and, and the senior group came together. And uh, that, that's not always the, that's probably the toughest piece. But the, they're always on the same page. And, you know, you don't have any issues. And uh, this group has really come together. They've bonded well. Uh, they've embraced the underclassmen. And um, you know, I, I look at the last two weeks. Uh, we're in eight quarters of. Uh, Playoff football could have gone either way, both games, and uh, we've persevered, but we've been resilient, and we're hoping to do that one more time. I was about to say, uh, Coach, um, you, 
you know, these playoff games he played, like you said, they could have gone either way. Um, would you rather have it that way, having a close uh, close couple of contests? I'm sure uh, going to overtime isn't exactly your favorite thing in the world. Maybe uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, take a few years off your life there. But uh, would you rather have close games where your team can find out what it's made of uh, like that yeah. to prepare for a championship game than a blowout? You know, I'll be honest with you. There's, there's nothing like a, a close game in football. And you know, they're heartbreaking to lose and they're exhilarating to win. Um, but it's it, it. I think it does build that resiliency, and it, and it does expose character. And um, and yeah, I, to answer your question, yes, I'd rather have it that way. Coach, just tell us, uh, because this is a little bit of a different thing. You're playing on a Saturday night, 6 o'clock game. You know there's a couple championship games going on. What is the itinerary for the the Blue Hawks today? You know, because it's a little bit different than the normal game day situation, I would assume. Yeah, you know, I, you know for the first time in, I think, ever, actually, we played all Friday night games in the um, – uh, regular season, and then to go back to Saturday, I'm a traditionalist, so I love those Saturday afternoon one o'clock starts. Um, uh, but um, I'll tell you, I much prefer playing on Saturday than Sunday, that's for sure. And yeah. um, and um, yeah, it's a little different. Six o'clock's not bad. We just we just push our meeting back times a little bit. You know, uh, we'll get back in there, and uh, kids will have some need around one, and go um, into meetings and training room and had to Durham about 340 so uh not too bad normal um Saturday schedule this you know push it back four and a half hours coach ball it's uh Dave Haley I, I just arrived I don't know if you heard I was viciously attacked unprovoked by a fence today so I had to I had to go home and my pants <laughs> I did not hear that. no no <laughs> I'm okay. I don't want you to – you have more important things to worry about. I'm okay. My, my pants are not okay. I, I wanted to ask you um, – I was talking to uh, Brian O'Reilly earlier this week um, doing the scouting reports for the game, and one thing he said is he mentioned you and he and said, you know, us that run the football a lot, it's been an adjustment the last few years to cover spread football teams. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that comment and if that's been an adjustment for you and your staff. You know, well, the whole game's changed. Um, it's been adjusting for everybody. And, um, you know, we've done, I mean, I really feel good about the way we've handled, you know, spread this year, in particular last year. Um, you know, it comes down to space, comes down to seven on seven. But I think the most important thing is, you you know, in the summertime, you have to play against that. You have to get out there, yeah. even though we're a run team. You have to get in the wings. We get in the wing with different guys in Dover and Portsmouth and Marshwood and those guys in St. Thomas, and we throw it around on Wednesdays and, and Sundays, and, and and that's important because that's where you develop your idea of you know the width, the, the depth, the horizontal stretch, the vertical stretch, combination routes, what people are trying to do to you. So um, yeah, it's been an adjustment, but it's I guess you know. I'd say there's probably more of an adjustment to playing against a wing key team now than a spread team because I think we you don't know, guys like Brian and myself are such admirations. Look at Plymouth, you'll see, you'll see, mm-hmm. you know, a wing set with a heavy set today, and and that's how that will go. And I think I think Bo will be the same way. Uh, I just want to ask you this one last one. We'll let you go, but uh, you know, with the way it is now, where all three games are on the same day and they're staggered times, so there's you know really no issue with you know, uh, the in-between game stuff. I mean, I think they got it spread out pretty good. 
you know, like three and a half hours in between the games, and, and, and the games will all pretty much start on time, barring, you know, a quadruple or quintuple overtime situation. But what is your take? Uh, you know, I don't know if you, you're on the football committee or if you have been, but your take on how they've been over these last three years having these, these games all in one day at one location. Yeah, you know, I am on the football committee, and uh, I think uh, the committee, Jeff Collins and Dave Rosmick, and have received, and UNH for sure, um, high praise. Um, I don't know of a coach, and I'm pretty familiar with all of them, that is not excited about the venue, excited about the, uh, you know, the Super Saturday or Super Sunday. You know, we work off UNH Maine and what happens with that that, that particular game. But it's terrific. It, it, I think it's it, it's a it's a terrific opportunity for you know the student athletes, you know coaches, families, everyone to get up there. And you know the one thing you don't have to worry about is you know sometimes you you know when you're on the football community you worry about a, a venue, an appropriate venue with you know enough seating and enough you know real good um, visual um, aspects of it to watch the game. And when you're at UNH, you know you throw all out the window. It's, it's just a terrific venue. I, it's funny you say that. You know, I'm looking at Stevens and Erlich's Moultonboro on the field right now at this unbelievable facility, and it it's just terrific that it really, especially these small schools, you know what I mean, really get to – you know, it was great seeing Newport come down here and, uh, you know, when Campbell was here before, but one of my D4 buddies in coaching in basketball said – you know, sometimes when those D4 Northern teams go to Plymouth, it's like going to the moon for them. You know what I mean? And right. and for these these programs, it's got to be the same thing. But it's I think it's such a terrific memory and opportunity and experience for, for these kids, just like you explained. Yeah, there's no question about it. Yeah, and I don't think the media is going to complain about the new dicks oh, here. This is, uh, this, nice. this is awesome. <laughs> uh, no complaints whatsoever. Except after the game, we got to go down and uh, – you know, talk to the to the teams after the game. We're gonna we're, we're sitting pretty up here we're in a nice awesome. warm press box, and we're yeah, gonna be we're, like chattering teeth down soft. there. <laughs> All right, coach. Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate the time on a championship game day. Best of luck. Your fans are gonna love it. Uh, I mean, they were here last year, but you know they're gonna love it. And uh, I think it's gonna be a great football game this afternoon or this evening. And uh, can't wait to, to get this thing kicked off and all three games today. We appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, Bill Thanks, Ball Coach. from Exeter uh, joining us on the line. You can, and, call him, uh, you can call him the legend. Yeah, he's a legend, 24 years. And, uh, you know, him and O'Reilly, you know, yeah. you mentioned him. Those are kind of the deans of uh, high school uh, football coaches here in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not surprised one bit that Exeter is here today. Uh, I'm not surprised Bedford is either. Uh, but this is shaping up. I mean, you've got a chance now to kind of walk around a little bit and, you uh, you know, your take on, on the atmosphere here compared to what it was the last two years in the old uh, stadium. The fences are very secure, so there's no <laughs> worry about that. I, no, I mean, it's, it's big. I'm, I'm interested to see how this fills in crowd-wise because there's a lot of people coming in. I mean, I just drove in. Um, but, you know, with the smaller schools, you'll get bigger crowds as the day goes on. But, um, I mean, it's, this, I mean, it doesn't look much different from Foxborough, you know, when you stay at this level. I mean, it really is a beautiful turf field. And, you know, I mean, we probably – I don't think you and I take it for granted, but there were some great championship games that, that we didn't get to cover. For example, 
or we didn't get to be at together. You were at Concord Pinkerton that year, and mm-hmm. I, Justin and I were up at Portsmouth Plymouth. Well, that Portsmouth Plymouth game is one of the most memorable games I've ever covered. It was three years ago. Plymouth won that game in overtime. Donovan Fenoy, the quarterback for for Portsmouth, it was great. And I mean, you didn't even get to see that game. You right. know what I mean? And I know after the game, you were like, God, I wish I was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was at a 44 to 8 blowout or yeah. something like that. And you saw a really cool thing where Concord wins that first championship in a long time. And I thought that was neat. Boy, Henry Bork throws a nice ball, by the way. He the does. quarterback for. For Stevens, but um, out in the field, but no, I mean, just to be here for all these games, it's it's absolutely terrific. And I know, you know, we 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 spend a lot of our time in March in Durham and at Southern New Hampshire and at Plymouth State, and uh, it's just great for these kids. And by the way, for these schools, I mean, this is a great recruiting tool as far as just I'm talking just general students. I mean, you, this is a gorgeous campus. They have so many things going on here at UNH, and to get all these different families on your campus, I mean, I can't believe it doesn't get you, you know, ten. 20, 50 more, you know, uh, applications, you know what I mean, at the end of the year. People say, I want to go here. Certainly. All right, we'll get to a timeout. We'll come back, and uh, we have uh, a guest coming on at 1030, Paul Cohen from Bo. Now, you said that they're leave. Like, are they going to be, like, en route here when he's talking to us? No, they were, the in the, they were in the first hour. Oh, so they're already. They were, they were listening to our show. Okay. And so they don't, leave. when are they going to leave Bo? Did you did you get the word on that? No, no. I just, they were getting. I think at eleven o'clock they were getting on the bus. Okay, so he'll talk like with us and then get on the bus shortly after. The two teams for the Division Three championship are on the field: Interlakes, Moultonboro, the Lakers, and the Stevens Cardinals. Uh, they're warming up on the field as we're about forty minutes away from kickoff of the Division Three uh, state championship game. We'll have all three games, the play-by-play, on the radio. Myself, Chase Fana from uh, Bishop Brady High School, one of the assistant coaches uh, for Coach Matt Shaw. They got knocked off by Interlakes in overtime last week, and he knows all about both of these teams, so he's going to do the game on the radio color commentary. Dave's going to be working with Justin McIsaac on the McIsaac on Sports Radio Network, and uh, then Dave will join me on the ES. ESPN New Hampshire broadcast for the Division Two and the Division Three games. We're going to have the video highlights uh, on nhsportspage.com. So Dave and Justin uh, covering that game on nhsportspage.com, and then Dave uh, will be doing the uh, D2 championship, the post game, and all that. And then I'm going to handle things for D1. So I, it's a busy, 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 busy day. Reed Grubbs might be doing the post game. That's true. It depends on who wins. He believed in Plymouth when no one else did. We'll take a timeout. It is the New Hampshire High School football show. Pete Terrier, along with Dave Haley, Championship Saturday, live from UNH, Wildcat Stadium on ESPN New Hampshire and NHSportsPage.com. ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. Little Foo Fighters getting you back in here. The New Hampshire High School Football Show live on location from the new and beautiful Wildcat Stadium on the campus of the University of New Hampshire in Durham. 
Pete Terrier now joined by one of our fine sponsors for our coverage today, uh, Chris Kelly from uh, Remax Bayside with the locations in Meredith and Laconia. Remax Bayside, they've been helping people buy and sell in the Lakes region since the year 2000. They have over 20 full-time associates. They're ready to help you with your real estate needs no matter what it is. And with a name like Remax Bayside, you can be assured you're working with a real estate company with great waterfront knowledge, and they can help you find any property you're looking for on Lake Winnipesaukee, Lake Winnesquam, Squam Lake, Newfound Lake, many, many more. If you want to live or spend your summer in the Lakes region, call Chris at Remax Bayside. They'll take great care of you. Nobody sells more real estate than Remax. Chris, thanks so much. And not only are you a sponsor, you're a dad of a quarterback who is back here for a second straight year playing for a championship at UNH. Does this time feel a little different than last year? You know, Pete, it does. Um, we're coming into the into uh, the stadium today, and it just looks like our guys are a lot more relaxed. Uh, we sent them yep. off this morning. Of course, there's, you know, you, they've got their jitters, but the fact is, is that the majority of this team uh, was here last year, so they know what it's like to play in a big stadium. Uh, the folks that we have behind this team uh, is tremendous. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a different year, and I think it's going to be a fun game today. Now, you guys played these guys back in mid-October, so basically a month ago. You won 57-12. to 12. That was a, a laugher. They committed seven turnovers. They fumbled the opening kickoff. I think they threw a pick on two out of their next three possessions. I mean, it was a big-time blowout. Uh, you know, your son, you know, in your house, uh, have you been talking with him, uh, trying to keep that bravado down? Hey, well, this is going to be a cakewalk to a championship playing these guys again. Yeah, one of the things that we've really focused on uh, for this last seven days is that uh, this is a different Stevens team than we faced in October. Um, we could only be so fortunate for them to give up the ball seven times again in this mm. game. But, but uh, I, you know, what we talked about all week was that Stevens is coming to win this game today, and we need to be well prepared and get the last game out of our heads. Now, you talked a little bit about, okay, we're going to go to Coach Cohen in just a moment. I just got one more for you. We'll let you go. Uh, you talked about the send-off you got from Meredith today. Talk about that and what that was like. You know, it was terrific. Uh, our boys were all uh, scheduled to show up at the field uh, this morning at 7.15, and um, we showed up at about 7.30. My wife, Doreen, and I showed up about 7.30, and there were nine fire trucks uh, from uh, various communities around the area, Meredith Sandwich, Center Harbor, Moultonboro, there was an ambulance, there was a Meredith police car, there was a county sheriff's car, and uh, at 7.45, these guys took off, and uh, if there was anybody that was trying to sleep at 7.45 (laughs) this morning, they were woken up by loud cheers and alarms and and, uh, and, and all for a really good purpose, uh, sending our guys off to this game. Well, I know that last year when Goffstown won the championship, when they got back to Goffstown, they got met with an even bigger, you know, uh, welcoming committee. So you guys take care of business today and you win the championship. I'm sure it's going to be great when you get back to to Meredith and uh, this afternoon as champions. So best of luck. Thank you so much for the support of our coverage all year long. We really appreciate it and uh, enjoy the football game. It's your son's last game, you know, barring any, uh, you know, if he ends up playing Chad or Shrine or whatever, but enjoy this one because it goes by so fast as you've told us before. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, no, thank you tremendously. I hope you have a great day as well. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Good luck out there. All right. We're joined on the phones right now by the head coach of the Bow Falcons. Paul Cohen is with us. Uh, Coach Cohen, happy championship Saturday. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. 
So can you tell us like uh, where you are? Are you guys en route? Are you leaving soon? No, what's, we what's are still. Status? We are still at the school. We're not leaving for about another hour or so. Kids are just starting to arrive. Okay, so what's the mindset of this team? I mean, I don't think a lot of people looked at Bo and, and said, hey, that's a team that's going to be in the championship game when you guys made the move up to Division Two. Not that you were, you know, a, not a very good program. I mean, you guys were a juggernaut in Division Three and won championship just as recently as a few years ago. But I think a lot of people are surprised that uh, you guys did so well and, and are here today. Yeah, the seeds were sown uh, several years back. We won the championship in 2013, semifinalists the past two years. So going into this year, there was a lot of uncertainty. As I've said many times, there are a lot of teams that we've never played before in Bo's 20-year history or that we hadn't played in quite some time. But to answer your question, right now they're very loose. They're very relaxed. Uh, after our last defensive practice on Wednesday, I felt that they were ready. And to me, that was quite a marker because a week ago, getting ready for the semifinal game against Hanover, after Wednesday's practice, I didn't think we were ready yet. But clearly everything came to fruition last Saturday. But as of right now, we are definitely ready. What did you feel was the biggest difference uh, from Division Three? And we've got uh, uh, Bishop Brady assistant Chase Faniff, uh joining us uh, on the show. He'll, he'll be asking you a question or two as we move along here. But... What was the biggest adjustment uh, moving from D3 up to D2 this year? Uh, several things. One, many of the programs in Division Two have significantly more kids than some of the ones in Division Three. Uh, for us specifically, in Division Three, we got to know each team fairly well, so we knew year to year, unless there was a coaching change or something like that, we pretty much knew, okay, this team does this, this team does that. But this year it was completely different. We had to put a lot more time in than we have in the past, uh, scouting, film study, and so on, and changing things from week to week in practice. We've made a lot more adjustments on both sides of the ball this year than we have in the past. Coach, you guys um, you guys have thrown the ball a lot more this year than you have in years past. I've been trying to stop you guys with the run and uh, <laughs> struggled with that a little, but was that because of the move up, or did you guys feel like that was a strength that you had this season? No, it wasn't, it wasn't because of the move up. We had wanted to do this for quite some time now. The issue has been just that we didn't always have a quarterback who could throw well. In my 16 years at Bow, we've had quarterbacks that were stellar passers but not very good runners. We've had quarterbacks who are the exact opposite, and it's been very rare that we've had a quarterback who can do it all. I thought it was very telling that last year, last week, after our victory at Hanover, the quarterback from Bo's first-ever championship team, Jacob Wasag, who's now in his early 30s, showed up at that game and greeted me, and it was nice to reminisce. He was the first quarterback that I coached at Bo, who was everything. He could run, he could throw, he had a good command of the offense, a good command of the team. Matt Harkins, my quarterback playing today, is of the same mold. So it wasn't necessarily, it may seem that, you know, for the move up, but that was actually coincidental. We had hoped, we saw early on when Harkins was a freshman two years ago, that the clay was there to be molded, as it were. And he's really come to fruition this year and has been able to move the ball very well in the air. And he's also a capable runner, as we saw last week. Yeah, and I think it also helps, Coach, when you got a big target like number 14, Nate Alford, uh, who stands about 6'3", 6'4", 
Uh, he reminds me a lot of Hunter Long, who, uh, you know, accepted the uh, uh, FCS uh, uh, football scholarship. He's playing for Exeter, just a big, big target who is powerful, and he can just, you know, outsize people, out-athleticize people as well. He's just a, a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. Absolutely. Nate is actually the last of three sons from one family to play for me. And he has done pretty much everything and anything I could ask him to do. He is an outstanding pass receiver, as you know. He's an outstanding blocker. We actually use him as running back here and there, and he is a, he's a juggernaut. He's like Larry Zonka of the very old Miami Dolphins from the 70s. And he's an imposing figure on the field on both sides of the ball, and he's a great target. But interestingly enough, you know, teams figured out very early on that he was a big part of a pass offense, so they started keying on him uh, roughly midway through the season. But that was to their detriment because we have other kids who can catch the ball as well. But what Nate has been able to do this year in the air and catching passes and just the whole package has been absolutely stellar. He is truly the number one player on my team. But... I would say this. What separates Nate from a lot of other stellar players that I've coached in my career is that Nate has the ethos of putting the team above himself. He doesn't look for the accolades. He doesn't want the accolades necessarily. But he comes to practice every day with a great attitude and works hard. And he produces. He was asked in an interview several weeks ago, what kind of a leader are you? And he kind of looked at the reporter and said, well, honestly, I just prefer to lead by example. I let my actions speak for themselves, and I think mm. there's no better statement to say about him than what he said about himself. Yeah, that's impressive stuff. You don't, you know, a lot of times, I, and I interview a lot of kids, and sometimes they really don't know what to say and uh, maybe freeze up a little bit in front of the camera, but uh, that's, that's impressive that he would uh, kind of go there. i, I got to ask you about this Plymouth team because – I don't know if you'll admit that you were surprised last week uh, that Wyndham was beaten by Plymouth. I know I certainly was. I made a statement, you know, before the playoffs started that I would be absolutely shocked if it wasn't Wyndham against John Stark in the championship game. Boy, was I wrong. It's Bowen yeah. Plymouth. But uh, just talk about this challenge of uh, playing Plymouth and the Bobcats today. Yeah, it's an interesting statement. I think your sentiments were shared by many coaches and players and fans around the state that this was supposed to be the year for John Stark from our conference and obviously Wyndham from the other conference. We were surprised to hear about that, but we also, one of our coaches is actually a Plymouth alumnus, and when he found out, he said, I'm not surprised because when I played, having been there, I know what they're capable of to get to a championship game, so... They are going to be a very, very tough opponent today. We know that. We played them the first time. We did not play well. Uh, it's interesting that at the end of that game, and I reminded my team of this yesterday at the end of practice, when that game ended and we lost, that was our first loss after three successive wins, I said to them, do you recall that you guys weren't sad? Nobody was crying. You were all angry. And I said to you after that game, do you want them again? And they said, yes. And I said, well, you got a whole bunch of hurdles to get to them, if we even get that far. There's five more. At that point, there were five more regular season games, plus you know, wherever the draw would lie for playoffs. Well, fortunately, everything worked out, and this is actually for us. 
you can call it divine providence or whatever you want. The stars have aligned, and this is exactly the team that we want to see in the championship game. These kids have been hungry for it. They have put it on the back burner until this this week. But having one last week at Hanover, and when we found out we were playing Plymouth, the kids were elated. So we are definitely ready. But we know, without a doubt, that we will have to play a whole lot better than we did the first time around, which is now eight weeks ago against them. Big bruising running back, very quick, efficient offense, punishing defense. But I would also say this. The team that Plymouth is going to line up against today is not the same team that they faced in week four. We are at full strength. We are lean and hungry, to quote the movie Gladiator. Mm -hmm. And these kids know that literally, though it's a cliche, but this is it. This You really do have to play every down like it's your last because there is no tomorrow. I don't know if you get caught up in this type of thing, but I love atmosphere and you know, I've been out to, to bow and uh, great atmosphere for football there, you know, the natural mm-hmm. grass field and all that. But this is a little bit different today. Uh, have you addressed the atmosphere factor with your team? Because, you know, you've probably seen the movie Hoosiers when they walk in there and they're playing oh, in this yeah. huge, you know, facility. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. they're a small, small town. I mean, did you guys talk about that at all? We did. We did. I mean, I told them, I said, For most of you, this will be the biggest athletic event you ever play in in your lives unless you go on to college. And having said that, you know, we talked a lot about the logistics. You know, we all have to stay together so nobody's wandering around or anything. It has to be as businesslike as usual, and it's great that the NHIAA assigns a liaison to every team to help them out and get them going there. Some of my kids have never seen UNH Stadium, so, Mm. you know, Definitely as soon as they walk there and and see that giant field and so on. Some of them are going to be a little starstruck, a little dazed, awed, however you want to say that. But there's no question that the atmosphere plays an enormous role, an enormous role. But as as much as we're going to have to adjust to it, Plymouth will as well. So that's that's one thing going for us. I like the idea of a neutral site. It was certainly... Stellar and awesome three years ago for us to host a championship game at Bow, but you know, with the change in policy at the NHIAA, I think it makes sense to have the premier event of the season, the pinnacle, the apex, whatever you want to call it, to be at a neutral site for both teams. And certainly with the amount of seating, the amount of space, uh, you know, it, it's going to play a factor in the game. Hopefully for us it won't be a detriment but a benefit. All right, Coach. Well, we really, really appreciate the time on a championship Saturday and uh, wish you guys the best of luck. Have a nice trip uh, here to Durham from Bo, and uh, we look forward to uh, calling the game uh, starting at 2.30 p.m. Plymouth and Bo for all the marbles in D2. Paul Cohen, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you out here in a little while. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Bye-bye. Paul Cohen from Bo, uh, getting ready, going to board a bus in about 20 minutes. I got Chase Faniff, one of the uh, Bishop Brady assistant coaches. We're going to bring him on. We've got to take a break. We're going to talk about this matchup. Uh, Chase, unfortunately, you're sitting next to me and not playing in this game because of Interlakes Moltenboro, so I can't wait to get your take on that from uh, that outstanding uh, playoff game, an overtime game last week. 
that took place in Concord. We'll get the Stevens perspective as well from Chase. Uh, it is the New Hampshire High School football show live on the radio. We're in the press box at Wildcat Stadium. Beautiful facility here at the University of New Hampshire. The media is starting to file in here, and we're ready for three championship games. We'll give you play-by-play for each and every one of them on ESPN New Hampshire. And we also got the video highlights coming up on NHSportsPage.com. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for Friday Night Lights. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for high school sports. Oh, about uh, 14 minutes from kickoff here, Division Three State Championship game. The Stevens Cardinals against the Interlakes uh, Moultonboro Lakers. Pete Terrier, Dave Haley here. The New Hampshire High School Football Show. We're joined by Bishop Brady, assistant coach Chase Fanoff. His team is not here because they went to overtime and lost to Interlakes Moultonboro. What an outstanding game that was, 34-28. to You guys took control of that one early and were up by a couple of touchdowns. You knew they weren't going away, but can you talk about it? You've had a week now to kind of get over it a little bit. What an outstanding game. You guys just came up a little bit short. You must be heartbroken. Oh, I mean, it's tough, especially being here today and, you know, seeing the uh, the fields and all everyone around. It's just I would love to be on the field, but I'm happy to be up here with you guys. And Alex Bomero might be a little banged up today. We're not going to speculate on injuries and what's that and that, but I know that Ryan Kelly got dinged up a little bit. Andrew Brothers went out for a bit, right, in the game against you guys. You guys kind of left an impression on those guys heading into this week. Uh, second play of the game, he, uh, he had to come off. We uh, One thing that I stressed this week was, or last week was we have to play physical. We know what ty- type of team they are. They're a physical team. Once you start to hit them, though, they start changing things a little. So I was happy with that aspect. You, When you and I talked earlier this week, you said that you scrimmaged Stevens in the preseason. And I think one of the things you said to me, you said, they're physical. Like, you know, Stevens is a tough team. They have to be a tough team to go to Monadnock and win. What were your impressions of them? Oh, I was I was very surprised. Um, I mean, we scrimmage them every year to start the year, and it's great. Uh, we go up there, barbecue, can't complain. Yeah, it's a, they're a great program. You know what I mean? If you're playing them every year, you're set up well. Yeah, Coach Silva, he does a great job up there. Uh, he has low numbers as well. Um, but they're always the, they're good to us, but they run a great, solid program up there. He, uh, he stresses the same thing that we do, you know, play physical, play fast, and it's defense. What can you say about uh, the Stevens teams as far as what they have to do today in order to win this football game? Is there a certain formula that, that you really think they got to take care of in order to, to hoist that trophy? Uh, on defense, I mean, they, they have to keep uh, Andrew Brothers, contain him. He likes to run outside. He, they run off tackle a lot. But if you look, he stretches everything out. They have to keep him running uh, east and west, and uh, they should have no problem if they do that. Let's flip it the other way. What does Interlakes really need to do in order to, to win and, uh, you know, claim this championship? Uh, I mean, they have to keep playing physical up on the line. They have big guys. They get a great push. They control the line of scrimmage. But number two, Parker, uh, Parker Smith. I believe, for yep. uh, Stevens. Yep. Probably one of the top two receivers in the division. They have to contain him. Who's the other top receiver in the division, Chase? Uh, number 10 for Bishop Brady, Richard Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> is he I, a junior or uh, a He senior? is a junior. 
He's okay. a junior this year. And Bernard is? A senior. All right, so you're losing him, and Morenzi's gone too. Moses is gone, yeah, and Aiden Plumpton. We lose 11 out of the 21 kids. How tough was that? I mean, we had Coach Shaw on, what, last week or whatever, 21 kids on the roster. I mean, you guys must have been relatively injury-free, I'm assuming. We had one concussion all year. Wow. And that was it. We were very lucky. So So maybe it was like the Catholic connection there, kind of someone up there was looking out for the you guys. stars aligned and... God wanted it for us. So <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a bit about the other couple of games. I don't know if how much chance you have to see D two teams. I, I mean, I'm sure you saw plenty of bow over the last few years. Yeah. What's your take on the other two games today? Let's start with D two. Um, I mean, I I've watched bow. I haven't seen much of Plymouth, uh, but from what I've heard, I mean, they everyone's throwing the ball now. If you look back at high school football eight to ten years ago, it was ground and pound, ground and pound, and everyone's kind of adapting. Look, even like I. Uh, Ask Coach Cohen. Um, they're throwing the ball, and I never thought I'd see that, even when I was at Brady playing them. So uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, a very high-scoring game today. What about, you know, D1? Have you seen much of Merrim- uh, Merrimack? Yeah, they're not here. It's Bedford and it's Exeter. Um, I haven't seen any of their games. Uh, I think I saw a few Concord games. But it, at that level, it's a lot different just because it's more, more scheming. You have more kids, so you can do different things, different looks. How about your take, Dave, on, you know, the the three games in general? I mean, I know you say it's going to be a lot more competitive, and I believe that, too, in the D3 game. So we'll start there. Well, I think um, – and Chase, jump in here if you want to. But uh, I think if Stevens is going to win today, Parker Smith's going to have a big day. I think he has to. You know, and, and A 15-catch game last week, you know, that's crazy. Well, that's a huge – yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he has to have 15 catches, but he's got to have at least two scores, and they need to get Richard Bell – uh, to be able to run the football. When I was in Meredith with Jen covering that game, Chase was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lovely lunch afterwards together. But, you know, we both kind of were there to see it, and they couldn't run the football, it seemed like, Stevens, right? Would you agree with that? And I think oh, yeah. If they can't today, they're going to become one-dimensional very quickly, and that's how Interlakes will beat them. Yeah, they have to, I mean, control the clock as well and protect the ball. They had seven turnovers, you know, that, that completely changes everything. Yeah. And in Division Two, Pete, you know, I, Plymouth's your favorite, but Bo, you know, they're playing with house money, you know what I mean? They, they didn't expect to be here. They're excited. They're capable. Uh, they've got good weapons. You know, I'm really high on Nate Alford. Uh, Harkins is starting to throw the ball more. Mo- Justin Mooney, very good. Running back in that defense, you know, has a, does a job. You know, I, I, you know I, how, they, how they handle the line of scrimmage against Plymouth. You know, Bill Raycraft said after that game last week, he goes, Plymouth was a lot tougher in the trenches than we thought they were going to be. And so they've seen Plymouth already, but, you know, as Coach Sanborn said earlier on the show, you know, three main guys aren't here today. So I like Plymouth in that one, and then I think Exeter-Bedford's going to be a very good football game. I'm, you know, I think it, it more comes down to can Exeter score on Bedford because I think Bedford will score on Exeter. What is the thing that you're most impressed with about each of you guys, this stadium? I mean, I know you probably haven't had a chance to – to look around too much, but just the atmosphere seems different this year. I haven't even looked down at the crowd because we've got, you know, stands on both sides. You've got the Stevens fans are on the far side from the press box. The Interlakes Moltenboro fans are underneath us. Your take, Chase, on what this place is all about because it's pretty cool being up here. Oh, it's great. I mean, the view up here is awesome to begin with, but this is the first time I've actually been uh, been to the stadium, and it's everything I thought it was going to be. And even when you come off uh, – Route four, it's you just see the lights, and then you get a little closer, and then there it is. It's great, Dave. You were on the field. 
Yeah. You're standing down with the Wildcat logo. In a helmet. In a helmet. In, a, in an Air Lakes Moldenboro helmet. That's right. Uh, what was it like down there? Well, I think everybody should watch our intro to this game. McIsaac and I just filmed. Uh, but, no, it's it's fancy. It's warm. It's very warm down there. I mean, Is it's it? In, it's in the mid-50s. So, I mean, it's very warm down there. The kids aren't going to get too hot or anything like that. But it's really perfect. I mean, look, at there isn't a cloud in the sky. I think the Jumbotron, when you were asking that question, I looked at Chase. We both pointed at the Jumbotron. Uh, you know, this is just such a – especially for these two teams more than – well, Bo, I think you would throw in there, too. I guess in Plymouth. Playing in an atmosphere like this is just so great for these small school teams. And, you know, a team like Stevens comes all the way from Claremont. You know, you'd expect half the town to be here, and uh, they're filling in as we speak. But, um, no, it's just terrific. I mean, last year it was really, really cold. I think two years ago it was pretty cold, right, Pete? Am I yeah, right? I, I remember some mist uh, maybe two years ago. It was like a misty cold. Yeah, and it, right now I know it will get cooler when the sun goes down, but, I mean, it's 55 degrees. It's beautiful. It's a perfect day for this. So it's going to be a great day. All right. That's the uh, outro music. Uh, it's been great up here. I want to thank Taylor and Mike Murphy and everybody here at the University of New Hampshire for setting us up and uh, giving us such a good spot here to do this game. I want to thank Dave Haley and Justin McIsaac and our guests who joined us. During the show, we had Bill Ball from Exeter. We had Chris Sanborn from Plymouth. Uh, we had Paul Cohen from Bo. We want to thank Chase Fanoff, who's going to stick around and do color commentary on this football game. Tim Glenday back at our ESPN New Hampshire studios in Nashua. He's got a long day, too, doing all three championship games. We'll have Laura Remillard on the field doing the sideline reporting. Quick timeout. We'll come back with kickoff of the D3 championship game. It's Interlakes Moultonboro against Stevens coming up next from UNH.